0: Users have a way of uh, maybe stumbling on some of those things, or deliberately working out ways to circumvent those things, mainly because they want it, they want their system, their operations to be more efficient.
1: Right. As you're saying that, I'm kind of thinking like they almost sound like hackers. You know, <laughs> hackers are always probing into your yeah stuff, exactly trying to figure it out, and then you yeah. gotta realize oh, wait your people are doing the exact same thing. Welcome back to another edition of the LifeRaf Security Conversation series. I'm your host, Robert Balu, And today, I'm joined by our company's director of information security, Swafa Kiyakubu. Our topic today explores an underrated threat to organizations, insiders, Not necessarily the nefarious actors that want to harm your business, but well-meaning individuals that can accidentally compromise the security of your company. We'll also discuss how CSOs can build a more security-aware culture in their organization and practical tips on how to do it. But before we jump into the show, a little bit about my guest, Suafa. Like I said, he's the director of information security here at LifeRAF. He has almost 20 years of cybersecurity experience advising clients on IT systems, controls, and risk management. As a heads up, our conversation today focuses more on the information security side of things, but all of the insights and perspectives are directly applicable to the world of physical security too. Swafa, thanks for joining me today. Thank you too. In our pre-interview before uh, about a month ago when we were talking about what we wanted to talk about. The first thing that you said to me, I asked Swafa, what do you want to talk about with our listeners? And the first thing you said was, I want to talk about the human interface of security. So yeah, take me back to when you realized this was so important. What was the aha moment that changed your mind on this?
0: Good. Uh, I think that'll take me back to how I started in information security where I didn't just come into information security directly. I I used to be a programmer, and uh, I went into business analysis and project management also. So in my cause, in the cause of doing that, I was embedded into security teams to help automate their systems, uh, risk management teams, and all that. And I found out that usually on the human Angle of uh, the information security landscape. You know, we talk about the external adversary. We create uh, lots of security enablement around uh, our assets to protect ourselves, and then the, maybe the malicious insider also. But then we don't we don't seem to talk about the well intentioned insider that's innocently doing certain things to help their business processes, and then that's what's uh, causing the issue. They break in the linkage. So over time, I noticed. Okay, while I was trying to help out with the automation of those things, when 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 I was outside across cybersecurity, and then when I came in, also I noticed. Oh, most of the information security awareness programs and all that talk about all oh, the malicious outsider, the insider threats, and then okay, what you can do to defend against all that. But then we hardly talk about the well-intentioned actions we may, we take that are likely to compromise our infrastructure.
1: So what do you mean specifically by like the, the well-intentioned actions? Mistakes that could compromise our organizations oh, no, outside that? Yeah, or
0: sometimes just... there are no mistakes. It could be that, oh, uh, because of information security controls, you've put certain things in place. And then maybe a particular business process is now very cumbersome. Let me give you an instance uh, in one of my uh, previous um Places of work where, you know, data loss prevention is where you think, oh, let data not leak outside, confidential data, you know, personal data and all that. So you put all those controls in place and you say, okay, social media applications are blocked in well, uh, maybe regulated industries. So, oh, you don't communicate with this. And then after you do all that, there are some legitimate cases for when you want to communicate with external parties. A good example was a, a particular unit, maybe a communications unit that had a legitimate use to use something like LinkedIn but some other, uh, some other social media platforms were prohibited and all that. But they found out that, oh, even when they wanted to exchange data legitimately with some other parties, it was blocked. So what they resorted to doing was, oh, we could send this image, attach it. Now, every other platform would, would not let us do it, or the our security controls would prevent us from doing it. But oh, let's say, okay, Rob, uh, let's say, let me just send this to you, this attachment to you through LinkedIn, and then, it will go through the thing, right? But you're not supposed to send such attachments. Maybe somehow they needed it for their business process, but they look for a way to circumvent the controls but for a good purpose, they really wanted to make because it was a legitimate purpose uh, for them to do that to share information with their with their external parties. But then over time, after using that for a while, they decided to okay use it for some other things. Saw some other use cases that could beat the security system, you know, and all that. And then from there, it becomes a normal process where everybody within the unit knows. Oh, that's an easy way to circumvent the security controls for legitimate purposes. And then from there, it now you know goes down down the drain to when uh, people say okay, an exception, okay, let me send it to somebody within uh, another, maybe a a friend or something like that. Maybe let's just exchange messages and then from there it goes down the drain, you know.
1: Down the drain with.
0: And and, and then uh, maybe from there it becomes uh, something another unit gets to know about and say, okay there's there's a loophole in this process. Okay, this is how we circumvent it and then, you know. After some time, it becomes a, a normal process. The security team doesn't know about it. The exceptions that have been created by virtue of Titans, so many security controls and all that.
1: Where did these problems tend to emerge? Is this just like a lack of communication between the security department and everyone else in the organization?
0: Yeah, where, does that- okay. where, where where, most times it happens is the security team does not really understand the business processes of the business units. So, you know, mm-hmm. most security controls are sometimes out of the box or, you know, there are certain basic scenarios you use. Okay. Oh, this scenario exists within my organization. Okay. That's just like a cut, maybe a cookie cutter kind of thing and all that. But then sometimes it might not just, it might not apply specifically to your organization. You might not mm-hmm. really want to tenor it or you just say, oh, the profile of where we're getting this from uh, is aligned with the profile of organization. So let's just do it that way. But it will take you to understand the business process of the particular unit that's affected, the pain points for you to know, okay, this might not really apply to this to this part of the organization, even if it applies to everyone. So, okay, can I make a specific case and scenario for this particular group of people? So you need to understand your user base very well and sometimes you know as uh, security uh, awareness uh, programs and then the security uh, information security programs are usually not so much into studying business processes of the user of their user bases, right you say mm. oh these are the these are the issues we are likely to have okay let's put controls in place let's monitor them or well, then uh, you, you need to have a very good feedback loop with your user base to say okay how is this inhibiting your normal business processes that's where know the average user begins to think, oh, can I look for a means to make my work a little bit better? It needs to be less painful. And it's in the quest to achieve that that sometimes you stumble upon, oh, oh, this is possible. And then it becomes a normal process afterwards.
1: It was interesting that you mentioned understanding the business because it's the exact same concept like in physical security. If you're in executive protection, you need to understand who are the adversaries, what are the assets being defended, who who are the type of people that were got to be concerned about the type of Threat vectors that they could implement. So it's the same thing in in information security, but you need to be able to to not just understand who the external actors that we're always worried about, but also just yeah. how does the day to day processes run in this side this organization, which is not the sexier side of information yeah,
0: security. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. no
1: one's talking about these kind of things usually. On it's all about you know the ransomware gangs or exactly, you yeah know, the, the Russians or the North Koreans. No one's talking about like how do we send attachments in gmail exactly. or, or exactly.
0: those kind of things? You know, and and then, uh, one, one very funny scenario is you know, there was a time uh, some that dlp data loss prevention is something that's very in 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 the industry now prior when it started and the models that were using then okay sometimes if you wanted to send any message if you create the rules that you wanted to send any message uh, maybe through an attachment um the system scans everything to see okay are you sending something that um, that meets the rules that can be flagged and all that so most times it triggers the that monitoring process when you actually send the message and then oh, it says, okay, this is exceptional. Do you want the exceptional approval? And it goes all the way to whoever wants to approve it. But guess what? So users found out that oh, if you just draft a message and you put the attachment on the message and then you don't send it, it doesn't trigger the alert, right? So it doesn't trigger the alert. So it will stay in your draft, your draft email box, and then okay, you go out of your uh, of your work system, and maybe you are one of those users that have uh, access to email over 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 the web and all that, and so you log onto another system. Now, since the attachment is still within your draft message, you can still access it. Outside the perimeter of where the security was, you know, stuff like that. So users have a way of uh, maybe stumbling on some of those things or deliberately working out ways to circumvent the things, mainly because they want they want their system, their operations to be more efficient.
1: Right. As you're saying that, I'm kind of thinking like they almost sound like hackers. You know, yeah. actors are always probing into your, yeah, stuff, exactly. trying to figure it out. And then yeah. you gotta realize, oh, wait, your people are doing the exact same thing. Exactly. And, but you're not, you're, no one's thinking about them. Yeah, exactly. Same mindset. And maybe even better in yeah. some ways. Yeah. Because people are lazy. People yeah. are lazy. Yeah. So I guess if, if I'm sitting in um, as the, the head of security in an organization, how do I get started thinking about these you know, well meaning internal threats? in my in my organization. You mentioned like the feedback loop uh, of the, but but where would be the best place to kind of get started.
0: No, I, I think uh so to, 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 to to, uh, I've tried both the formal and the informal uh, process of getting used to, okay, how how do you break the ice in your communication with users and all that? I think most times I, I prefer the informal informal mechanism where you try to have um, relationships with business users. It could be targeted. Um, you could say, oh, let me target someone who um, maybe you might have a particular profile in a particular business unit, hope you have a relationship with them, and then maybe have um, someone within the security team to ha- have contact points with them. So oh, where are your pain? point. So what what do you think we're doing that needs to be done better? Okay. How do we lower our security uh, uh, controls to make sure, okay, we're still protecting our assets, but then we're making your work more efficient and all that. Engaging them informally makes them to feel, oh, you understand my pain, you know? Most times you need to make the other party in the in the, in the conversation a little bit relaxed and not that. Okay, sometimes, you know, when security professionals uh, interact with the end users, the, the thought is, oh, oh, there's something, they're looking for something to secure, or they're looking for what I'm not doing very appropriately, mm-hmm. you know, stuff like that. But in order to make, I just try to have that informal link with them. I, I benefit from that a lot even within Life Raft and in my previous organizations where I have just generic conversations with users. And then after some time, okay, oh, they say, oh, I see. Not this happening, okay. This is happening. We can do this better, and then be open to, to suggestions from your user base also. Because most times they might understand certain things, even the controls that you think you know better, even better than you, because they are the ones that wear the shoes, right? They know where it pinches. So most times having that informal relationship with them to say, okay, to so have you as a a confident to come on to, to say okay these are the pain points we have these are the areas where we think your controls are not helping us out uh, or these are areas where we think you can beef up this or do this in a different way and all that having that informal informal feedback loop helps a lot because sometimes they volunteer information on their own without even going to them after they know oh yeah this this person reaches out to me in a friendly format and all that so that's really key
1: I mean, you emphasize informal quite a few times, but then it's yeah. it's not jumping right into the security right away. Building that exactly. friendship, exactly. you know, talking about the kids or or whatever, and then that makes them a lot more open to
0: exactly, yeah.
1: What are aside from building relationships across the entire organization with all the different departments? What are the typical hurdles that someone in in your role would come and in, in, uh, run into when trying to implement?
0: Okay. Yeah. So most times in trying to, um, get, uh, because most times, uh, we're into business to create value, right? And to, and, and to protect value. Nobody starts a business, um, because, uh, you just want to start the business for the fun of it. Now, so most times it's because, um, you want to create value and the, 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 your end users are in the process of creating value also. So the assets you're protecting are, they are either the value you've created, or the value you intend to create and all that. Maybe it could be intellectual property, it could be a product that you're designing and uh, stuff like that, or something, a product you're selling, or something you're storing, or stuff like that. So it's good to make the users to understand, oh, you're in this together, because if you're in security, you're not just employed to do security, is because you want to enable them to protect the value they are already creating. So to make them to have that understanding, and that's where the risk management aspect comes in, because security in the, in the, in the, in the final analysis is risk management. Yeah, you're managing it because you're going, uh, you're, you're, actually accepting the level of risk by going to create value. But you think of trade, trade-offs, right? Should I go all out and risk everything? Or should I, should I, should I be a little bit cautious and then protect myself a little bit in trying to create this value? So in, in trying to explain this in, in, in a very understandable format with your end users to say, okay, we're in this together. We're, we're not two different teams. We're the same team. Yeah, you're going out to get this, but I'm protecting you in, in the process of you going out to get this for the organization. So to make them to see the risk, okay. So this is a kind of assets you are creating, or you 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 are helping us to to build that we're, we're we're protecting. So this in trying to make them understand that you have to explain to them that okay, this is risk management in a nutshell. And we're all managing the risk of uh, risk the organization is exposed to in our in our drive to to create value. So uh the way uh, a particular asset you you, you protect a particular assets will be different from how you protect another one and how open you are to sacrificing the assets altogether. So you you have to make those um, determinations together. The, only the information security team cannot make those decisions. If yeah, if the information security team is making that decision, those decisions together, it's um it's 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 not really valid because you, you the other party understands even some of the concepts of value better than you do. So having that collaborative uh, environment where you say oh we're 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 working on the same team as you're going out to get something. From for us, I'm watching your back. So that's how this is about.
1: So would you say that the other party, the, the company you're working for, they're the ones that have to set that risk
0: reward? Yeah, kind of exactly. So yeah, the risk, risk, risk reward. So the, the the end user is very primary in this because um, they are, the, they are, they are the, either the owners of the assets or the, uh, the custodians of the assets or the ones that are even creating the assets. Right, so sometimes the understanding of value might be different from the underst- their understanding of value. So it's it's good for you to have it to strike a balance between your understanding of value. Because to me, you might you might value an asset. Okay, if you want to put it in dollar in dollar uh, value, say, so, oh, this is ten thousand dollars. But the other the other party might see it as fifty thousand dollars because there's an angle you had not seen. But they are into it, so they've seen the value of the asset. So they'll say, okay, no, you're protecting it. Like a $10,000 asset, but it's actually a $50,000 asset. And on the reverse side, also there's an asset that you might think, oh, it's worth a million dollars, but the, the end user might tell you, no, this is actually an asset that's less, much less than that. So it's, it's up to you to engage the, the, the users or the business process owners, uh, in that conversation to say, okay, how do we strike a balance of value? And then to decide how well to protect the value.
1: It sounds a lot like you, you become the financial advisor for a client. If, if I'm your financial advisor, Swapha, yeah, yeah. I, I'm not going to tell you how much risk you should take on in, in your investment portfolio. A- That's exactly. I, you, my job is to say, okay, here are the options, you know, risky portfolio, less risky Good. portfolio. You Good. make that decision, which one is within your tolerance, but I can't tell you that. Good. But then I might be the one to say, you say, well, I want to go in all in on cryptocurrencies or or something crazy. So, well, here's yeah. here's the risk of that decision.
0: Exactly. Yeah.
1: but it's it it, but it's not my job to tell you exactly what to do but just give you that that exactly as a
0: trusted advisor just yeah it's it's always uh good to to have users come up to have um the, the feedback channel I mentioned um, always to always uh, monitor this feedback channel to see how you fine tune it to see okay how well should you communicate with this user as well the thing is user most times uh, you might have to be the one to make the move uh, the information security professionals to make the move because there's always um, inertia on the user side to come this way but then the moment that flow is like a pipe right the moment that flow is established two becomes a two-way, a two-way communication channel so just to trigger it to keep monitoring it and then you have to make it' deliberate thing. Sometimes tend to see things in in the traditional light to say okay this things are supposed to happen but then you have to for want of a better way you have to you have to be deliberate about it be deliberate about it make consistent efforts sometimes it doesn't come easy make consistent efforts to make sure you establish that um, communication link uh, both ways uh the emphasis in this case is both ways it's either and how you how you judge maturity within the flow is when it becomes spontaneous from the other the end user and coming to you to engage you on on, on on things that have to do with security, not you just going out to them. So most times, uh, the first the first contact end users have regarding information security is very key, uh, where you don't make it so traditional, but try as much as possible to understand the culture within your organization also, because the information security program is not existing in a vacuum. It's within a cultural system, right? Organizational cultural system. So it's good to understand organizational culture. uh, Also, the way you communicate within a particular organization might be different from how you communicate with another within another organization. So always do it within the context of the organizational culture, which is very key. So if um, your users are used to formal interaction, but okay, you might adopt it. If it's informal, you adopt informal and then try to use the channels they are used to and all that to engage that. So the understanding of the underlying organization culture happens it's very key why that is key is because that's where both parts of the organization are aligned because both of you are within the same organization and the organization okay your organizational culture permeates the whole unit right so that's a common ground for you to relate so the organizational culture is very very key so you have to acknowledge that and act within the confines of your organizational culture if
1: you're not in alignment you're going to have some issues
0: yeah very well you're going to have some issues yeah
1: what, one of the keywords that I clued into there right away was you mentioned the traditional way that security will interact with other stakeholders in the organization. What what are those kind of meetings? What What does that look like? That kind oh, of Oh, okay. Like,
0: yeah, that's, yeah, exactly. You know know that, yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, security awareness programs. Oh, just um, you dish out um, uh, uh, PowerPoints or automated uh, training platforms where they go. Uh, but, but most of those things are compliance driven most times because it's because, oh, because of a particular compliance program, you have to meet the expectations of the compliance program. So it's just like ticking the boxes. Ticking the boxes doesn't really help. Most times, oh, you might meet the compliance requirements of uh, the particular standard you're working towards. But then at the ex- Expense of you building a security, a risk and security aware culture within the organization. So, to me, risk management always comes before compliance. Because if you're doing a risk management bit very well, compliance usually follows suit afterwards. But if you're doing compliance alone, risk management doesn't tag along most of the time. So, risk management comes first, then compliance follows.
1: Right. I've sat on the other side of those presentations where it's like <laughs> getting droning on and on. I'm like, ah. I'm a bit more interested in it because I'm a bit nerdy on this stuff. But I can yeah. imagine most people are just zoning <laughs> yeah, out. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. The,
1: the other keyword there too that I, I clued in, in in your last answer was a security awareness culture. What do you mean by that?
0: Yeah. So a, a, secu- a, a risk a risk and security security aware uh, environments is where you know security is not just seen as um, something that some unit is doing or a specific action, but it's embedded within the processes where the person who's doing a marketing campaign understands that, oh, I'm suppose I'm actually the, the person who is responsible for securing my own function, not the security function. So everybody wears a security hat. And then that way, you in your engagement with everybody, you know, okay, it's your primary, you're the owner of this asset or you're the custodian of this asset. So it's your primary responsibility to protect it for the organization, not for me. Now, if you're having challenges or you're looking for a better way of doing it, okay, that's where we need to engage because, okay, uh, there are people who, are, who have more expertise in this, right? And that can advise you. So I'm your trusted advisor, but you are the actual person that protects value.
1: Gotcha. I felt like in that example when you mentioned marketing, you're like t- targeting this <laughs> specifically to me. <laughs> yeah. are, are, are you trying to are you trying to get a message across?
0: <laughs> oh my. Stop
1: posting this stuff on social media. It's causing us trouble. No more work ID badges. So how do you? So so we we've kind of talked a bit about like the the informal meetings and building yeah. building a relationship. Is there anything else to helping? Create that in an organization besides just meeting people one-on-one?
0: Okay, yeah. So it's it's good to um interact with different user bases within the organization to say, okay, what medium of what medium of communication would you prefer? What channel? Okay, if we're to come up with uh, practical scenarios where we want to train users on a particular use case, what would you prefer? Would you prefer games? Would you prefer information security related games, or would you prefer snippets of a particular training, 15 minutes or five minutes, nuggets, very little? stuff that will be catchy that, oh, will be aligned to maybe a favorite character in the movie or stuff like that. Things that will make it, would make those things stick, not uh, like we mentioned before, conventional or traditional mediums, you know, stuff like that. So having that engagement to, oh, uh, your users, you could group them based on, oh, maybe interests. Okay. Some users have interest in this particular area. How can we align our trainings to to be relevant to them based on their interest or based on channel they want to receive this kind of training and all that so that's a very very key so getting getting right out, out of the gate, getting the input of those who are going to be stakeholders in the process. Not after you've made some uh, field attempts, you say, oh, okay, let's backtrack. And then, you know, try to, from day one, try to get their input into it to make sure, okay. Because if tomorrow, if I'm coming to, uh, okay, where you're, you're planning some sort of a meal for me and all that, it's not at the time you're serving the meal that you say, oh, oh okay, these are the options you have, Well, I would I would, I would, I would, I would appreciate it if you had asked me okay, this is what I'm thinking about. What do you think? Would be okay for you, but not at the time you're serving. You say, so, "Oh yeah, I have seven options. Yeah, I, I'm sure out of the seven options, you see something you like."
1: Yeah. You serve me up <laughs> a, a sirloin steak. I'm out so I'm a vegan. What are you doing? But <laughs> 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 you can't. You just can't force this upon the entire organization yeah, when you
0: yeah. want. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's good to get their input from the get go. See, so, okay, these are the these are the options we have. When building this out, these are the options we have. How can we engage you uh, in this? Uh, and then um, let's let's see how we can design this together. Yeah. Right,
1: and yeah. I imagine the you know the, it's a huge force multiplier in terms of what you can do with this because you're Swapa, you're one guy, you can't secure every computer on this. Not time, at all. You know, <laughs> you need you've got to have everyone working together on this.
0: Yeah, on this very thing. much.
1: Yeah. I want to I want to transition the conversation, uh, continuing a bit more onto the education theme. So I mean, at, at LifeRaf, we're obviously in the security space. So I, I would think that the Typically, I would hope on average. Yeah. This other stakeholders in, in the business maybe are a bit more security aware than, than yeah. other places. Yeah. But I have I can imagine if you're in a healthcare company or you're in yeah. retail, that's that's not going to be... I mean, I came across an interesting survey by uh, Armis and, and they were just talking about the awareness of uh, typical people and organizations. So two thirds of respondents don't see their personal device as a security threat. A third never even heard about the Colonial Pipeline incident uh, yeah. half never heard about the Florida watering tampering incident. I mean the the day-to-day stuff in our organization we talk about and share yeah, all the time. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> in the rest of the in the rest of the world, in, in all the other oh, industries, exactly. this is way, way overhead. What what do you what do you make of that survey? How do you respond to that?
0: We mentioned this earlier. Um, your user base, understand your user base, know your user base. Like I know my user base in life have to be highly security aware and all that. Now, in terms of putting it in the language that the information security professional would want, might not be there, but then they understand it, they know it, they get this because they are they are always they are within the, the security space, right? Now, if I come to them to give them some low-level stuff, that's already boring from out the gate. So you 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 tailor your you tailor the content and the engagement level to the level, the security awareness level of your organization. Now, going back to the other uh, industries you mentioned where, uh, and, and guess what? Some of those uh, industries are well compliance-driven, seriously compliance-driven where you say, "Oh, tick the boxes, you have to do this by this time, you have to do this annually, you have to this, do this quarterly, you have to do this, and then they tailor all those things. Now, that's where the compliance versus risk and event part comes in most times most compliance driven stuff it's just like um, when you say oh like educational systems where you say oh those who go through roots learning uh, okay just uh, spew out whatever you're taught and then (laughs) and then those who who go into critical thinking understanding uh, the concepts and all that do better than those who just spew out what they are are taught so that's that shows uh, the effectiveness of really understanding your people and tailoring contents to them applies uh, uh, works better than just um, throwing out traditional stuff and then thinking oh this is going to come back with rewards most times it doesn't it doesn't come back it doesn't come back that way it just hits the wall and then oh you just check the box check the box check the box you know so tailoring really really matters and then and also there are certain the, the, the kind of um issues that certain industries exposed to are different from what some others are exposed to also. So it's good to, to know what exactly um, you're likely to come across or your users are likely to come across. But the, the but, but somehow that's been blurred out in the current age where work there's there's a thin line between working, think about even the work, work, work from home requirement now uh, uh, that has hit us <laughs> unexpectedly. And then also where users access devices from their personal devices and then work-related uh, devices and all that. So that line is being blurred. So uh, that makes us to have the necessity to rethink our awareness, security awareness model to say, Oh, the, the buckets we've, we usually put different sets of users in, are those buckets really valid for the time and given the challenges, current challenges we have? So it's a time for us to rethink our model.
1: I, I guess I suppose this answer would vary a lot considerably depending by industry and obviously, the like you mentioned, the security awareness of the, of the staff on the team. But what would be the biggest topics that you would wanna get across to employees?
0: Depending on how, how well-structured you are, there's a, there's a tendency for, for end users to wanna to, uh, do security, uh, maybe DIY, do it yourself. Most times it's, it's, it's very risky for end users to do security themselves in the sense that, oh, we uh, something I think something has gone wrong. Uh, let me go fix it myself. It's good to always have a framework where um, they can reach out to maybe, the, it could be an incident response team. It could be um, a setting, but it's good to have a structured flow where users know, okay, this is how to reach out to to resources uh, they would need in in event of an incident or a near incident. And then the reporting also, it's good to always report and let users know. And most of the time I, I, I tell people when I'm interacting with them initially that there's no reporting that's dumb reporting. Report everything. Anything you feel you're suspicious about, just report it. Just report it and leave the um leave the classification to the, the the professionals to handle whether it's a false positive or not. But then have the culture of whenever you see something suspicious or you have a hunch about anything, always report it using normal channels and then try to um I, I, I always encourage users to say, oh, try to force if feedback in case you th- you think you need feedback on this and you're not getting it, try to ask for it. Ask for it, be proactive about it. That way everybody becomes a gatekeeper. Of our resources, you know that you know you demand even you you demand what's what you think you should have, and that's why most times in my initial information security sessions, I tell people: look, if you notice something going wrong, just make sure you're the gatekeeper. Make sure you report it. Make sure you take action about it. That action, action is what's really key about the time between when something happens and when you take you take action. That action, initial action, matters a lot because the leeway, the the, the window of opportunity you have narrows with time in terms of response.
1: So like the old uh, war propaganda line, if you see something, say something.
0: Say something, yeah, you know. this <laughs> you yeah. see something, say something, yeah. What?
1: As you were saying that, I was thinking about with, with COVID contact tracing. And one of the things yeah. that they were really worried about was the issue of shame. And so when there was this shaming tactics on social media, they were saying like, this isn't helpful. We want people talking about this where they were because it's more important to stop the spread. I, I would think it's the same issue in, yeah. in, in information security. So how do you... Uh, if, if if I click on a bad link or something, I, I might feel really embarrassed what I did. Yeah. How do you kind of avoid the stigma of shame when something? Dude, yeah, on?
0: yeah, I, I get those feedback that feedback a lot when he's not exposed. I clicked this. I knew, and these are people who know very well that I know them. They are very security aware. Yet they do they do and they say, Oh, sorry about this. And I said, no, it's understand. Anybody can make that mistake. Anybody, I can click it to be mistakenly. But the thing is, did you tell for you to even be mentioning it means you're acting appropriately. Because you're feeling, oh, you shouldn't have done it. That thought alone is positive. There's no shame about it. Anybody can fall victim. And, then you know, one thing about even when um, scammers in, in the normal, in, 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 even outside the cyber security world, what scammers tend to feed on most times to make repeats, to repeat the same thing to the same um, uh, victim is when they feel, oh, it's shame. And then the person doesn't report it, doesn't share it, and then over time they get uh, they get uh, they get the same kind of incursions and the same kind of attacks and all that. So making people very relaxed, like you say, like you said, that despite what happens, no we're in this together. It can happen. We can recover. So resilience is just like in the in the, in the cyber security world generally. We say, oh, everybody is just everybody is vulnerable to a certain degree. We're just waiting for something to happen and then to recover from it. So is your resilience that really matters? How well can you recover from it? how well can you get back to where you were and all that. So in the, in the individual experience also, it's good to get that across to say, no matter what happens, whether you took the wrong step or not, you know, how well can we recover from it? How can we work together to salvage this and all that? So that's uh, very important to have them, that confidence to, to to instill that confidence in your relationship that we're in this together, despite what happens, we can recover together.
1: Right. It's And I mean, it, it is so easy to fall for these things, like a phishing yeah. email. My, the, the from sender could be, you know, a little typo in the thing, you know, you get a hundred of these emails, I catch 99, one, I click on (laughs) one. Exactly. Yeah. Getting that message across that, Hey, that can happen to anyone. Kind of just want to open this up even, even more broad to end it up. How do you think the cybersecurity landscape is going to change the most over the next five or 10 years? What are, what are the biggest trends that you're watching right now?
0: Oh. Now, the trends I'm, I'm, I'm really particular about are to um, cyber threat intelligence and security orchestration, automation, and response. You know, the cyber threat intelligence uh, world relies on tools like Navigator to get Threat intelligence and then they curate that, um, to special use cases that are particular to the cyber, uh, cyber, uh, cyber security industry and all that. But then there's, um, there's, a, there's, there's a trend in trying to standardize that. It's not standardized in a way that tools can easily use that and, um, consume the information to make it actionable down the line. But there's something that's happening in that space uh, where things standards are beginning to take shape in the form of uh, what they call and taxi. Those are platforms, uh, languages they can use to express threat intelligence, and then uh, infrastructure they can use to disseminate the information. And then um, another another trend that's uh, coming up is security orchestration, uh, orchestration, automation, and response. Where you know we get this huge data from different sources, tools, security analysts, and all that to say, okay, this is data we have about security information and events and all that. But how do we Tailor all this huge data we're getting to something actionable, removing the noise, the false uh, false positives, and all that, and then automating the, the actions we need to take down the line. You know, so that's something that's really uh, um, rearing up, and then the the use of um, artificial intelligence also. Now that data is exploding in terms of how uh, data sources we have, uh, and that's something human intervention in don't cannot help. So using the power of um, AI and then uh, working uh, out the standards where we can all communicate threat intelligence in a common language uh, that we can automate and then uh, come up with workflows uh, that we learn over time to say okay this was a false positive the other time now i know it's not a false positive so this is how we gonna handling it going forward and then having though there'll be some level of human intervention but then it will harness the power of the machine to make sure we uh, we make our uh, work more efficient, so that's something that's uh, that's really really gearing up. And then you know, just like any any new thing that comes into any industry, there's a lot of buzzwords and all that. Uh, but then over time, it's taking structure, and then we're beginning to get value out of it. And that's going to be huge in the coming in the coming years.
1: How do you keep up to date with a field that's changing so quickly? Oh What's my. your routine?
0: Yeah. <laughs> So, Just shake yeah. your head sometimes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So there, there's a whole lot you have to keep up with. But the thing is trying to leverage resources. Um, uh, most times I, I talk about different abstraction layers, right? Like. The navigator tool gives you lots of information. Now, the next level, some of our some of our clients use it to uh, to to abstract to another level where they say, "Oh, this is what this is the use case that's necessary for us." Just in in the, in, the, in the information security space, also, it's good to know. Okay, who do I go to? Where do I source my knowledge from that would have abstracted information to a particular level where it's compressed for me to consume that information in a short while because I have something else to consume also. So having to source information from several, uh, several sources uh, to be up to date, to be subscribed to a couple of uh, lots of, um, uh, information, uh, sharing, sharing, uh, organizations and also working on, um, uh, being part of, uh, some of the cybersecurity organizations, attending webinars, but you have to be on your toes. And then networking help- helps a lot too. And in the in cybersecurity industry, we've come to learn that, you know, collaboration is very key. Nobody you don't have everything you have it's the more you are connected the better it is because you get little snippets of information from this you're able to synthesize that to make a more actionable uh, 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 get more actionable information take decisions and all that so it's 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 a whole lot it's a whole lot
1: what, what kind of, with the collaboration point you made, what's kind of interesting is you'll see these companies and they're competing fiercely against each other in the yeah. marketplace, yeah. but the security departments are all working together and collaborating. Exactly. They're on the exactly. same page. Because <laughs> exactly. yeah, the bad guys, they got the same bad guys.
0: Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> exactly.
1: Yeah. Uh, Swafa, thanks man for taking the time. Uh, the last question I wanted to ask you as, as we're kind of wrapping up is, what is the big takeaway that you'd like our listeners to remember from our conversation?
0: Yeah. So uh, to know that the, 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 the end user is a central point of your information security strategy. Just make the end user the, 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 the focal point. Most times because there would be your eyes in terms of, because you will not be there uh, when the, the particular event you're thinking is going to be troublesome, is going to happen because they'll be your eyes. So making them the focal point and making them to be ambassadors of your program is very key. And how you engage the users to be your ambassador matters. It's just like when um, you have an ambassador uh, of your country going to represent you outside, they represent you as if as this is my country, you know? So let them be ambassadors of your program. Let the end user be the focal point and then let them be the ambassadors of your program.
1: Swapa, so thank you for joining me today.
0: You're welcome. Thank you so much.
1: Again, that was Swafa Kiakubu, Director of Information Security here at LifeRaf. Thanks for listening to another edition of the LifeRaft Security Conversation Series. If you'd like more practical tips on how to use threat intelligence to protect your organization, be sure to check out our blog at liferaftinc.com/resources. That's liferaftinc.com/resources. Hope you found that useful, and I hope you join me again in our next conversation real soon.